Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us in yet another sunny day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Lauren Sargent, Director of Sargent Disc, an integrated payroll company serving the needs of the entertainment industry. Lawrence, hello. Good morning, Matthew. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Thank you for coming on the program. Uh, we might as well dive straight in. What does the word leader mean to you? Uh, well, to me, it means a number of things. Um, I think, uh, obviously, there are instances where leading by example and showing people the way um, may come to the, the fourth front of your mind. But um, I think most often it's about people who are able to identify qualities in others um, and listen to their needs. Um, I think by doing that, whether it's your clients um, or your workforce, um, I think in business, that's the, the best way to think about um, about moving forward. So to be able to make the best use of the talent around you? I think first and foremost, it's identifying it. Um, mm-hmm. It's really important that you that you know where people have the, the key skills and qualities that, that your business needs. Um, and by doing so, um, sometimes people have um, the, the technical ability, but there's also the, the softer skills, the ability to um, the ability to lead a team um, and also um, the ability to sort of think um, strategically under pressure, which I think is something that uh, certainly in current climate is of, of key importance. Of course. Um, and how would you describe your personal leadership style? Um, I would generally see myself as a team player. Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, when it comes to the work I do, sometimes it's technical in nature and then obviously um, it's quite uh, individual. But um, when it comes to previous experience, whether it's in, in sport or whether it's in business, I think I'd see myself as a team player um, and yeah, where, where possible leading by example, but most often trying to understand um, who has the ability to do the things that we need to do as a business? Um, again, whether it's technical, whether it's on a day-to-day, or whether it's looking after the relationships you have with customers and and certainly in the current climate, reassuring them of your ability to think strategically on their behalf. Of course. Well, let's go back to the very beginning of your story, the beginning of your working life, in fact. Were there any particular individuals or uh, circumstances that shaped the way that you lead today? Um. So in terms of my own personal background, um, it really comes coming from a technology background. Um, I think what I have found is the, the ability to um, to understand where there's a where technology can help is something that's really quite critical to the success of any business today. Um, so my own example of coming into what what at the time was a family business um, was to develop an online solution effectively to run a business that had existed for a number of years before, but um, to take it to the next step, there needed to be a combination of both um, the sort of relationships and business environment that existed, but also uh, the ability to recognize where technology could help make that more efficient um, and open up doors and opportunities to to doing business more widely. Now, of course, uh, no matter how much technology is uh, introduced into a business, at the end of the day, a leader still has to lead people. And uh, people, as we uh, know, aren't infallible. Um, They uh, certainly have their good days, but they also have their bad ones. How do you resolve conflict within the workplace? 
Um, well, I think it's true that both uh, both the workforce and, and leaders have good days and bad days. Um, so I think sometimes it's worth recognizing um, when you fall into that category yourself. Um, and it's useful to be able to hold your hands up and, and, and identify where uh, where you might have, uh, have caused a problem yourself. But uh, in general, I think it's about getting people to understand that they're never going to get it right every time. And if you really want them to step up and lead, then you have to let them make mistakes themselves. We all do it. Um, and I think if you're understanding about it and if everybody's able to be open about the mistakes they make, then they can learn from them. And if you try to, if you try to stop everybody from making mistakes altogether, then um, ultimately when they do make them, they'll be more critical and you won't be aware of them um, and they're much harder to deal with. So I think encouraging people to, to try and do things within their own sort of um, uh, ability um, and then being understanding if those things are not done perfectly, I think. We never get things completely right, but um, you know, the more often you try, the better it gets. So, a lot of continuing professional development. Um, so, in terms of training the workforce, indeed, um, making sure that people have the professional skills they need to do their jobs, and that that varies across the entire business. Um, but as I say, yeah, also um, just encouraging them and making sure that there's a sort of a, a mentorship within an organisation that, that they can turn to somebody who will be able to help them. Um, and if that's not you, it's again, it's identifying who can help them most. And, and that extends beyond the workforce to, to suppliers and, and to, the, to our client base as a whole. And do you have a uh, permanent uh, or formal mentorship program within the organisation? Um, we're still a relatively small business, um, so I would, it's not a formal um, setup, but within each department, there will be a, a management structure um, and you know, the people that, uh, that are leading each department have those skills and qualities. So hopefully those conversations happen naturally. Um, but if not, then obviously uh, it's it's up to each individual really to try and raise those questions. And the more you interact with people and ask those questions yourself, the more you understand where the issues lie. Um, and without micromanaging, you, you really want problems to get solved um, where they need to be by the people that, that understand them. What would be your first piece of advice for a young person leaving school at university today who'd like to get into your field? Um, well, my field is quite varied. Um, it, it encompasses um, technology from my own background, but also media, um, film, television, entertainment as a whole. Um, I think that, that one thing that they must expect to do is to work hard. Um, but also, I think there is a tendency for to think about um, yourself. Um, and I think if you don't have the, the ability to consider others um, in your professional environment, but also in general, Terms, I think you will struggle to get by. People need to understand that what you do um, is for a, a greater goal and not just your own advancement. So um, it's not always the case that uh, being a team player is the best option. Sometimes you have to um, take a stand and, and show very strong leadership, particularly under pressure. But there are lots of times where it's useful to understand how other people think. Um, and if you don't take that on board, then you won't learn from their experience. And I'm sure as you're starting out, there's an awful lot that you can learn from others. Now, to change the subject only slightly, if I was to ask you to objectively identify the greatest leader, living or dead, who would that be? Ooh, <laughs> you're putting me on the spot now. It's a, it's a rather tricky um, one, the, I know. <laughs> the greatest leader, living or dead. Oh, gosh. Um, you know... I mean, a lot of the times that, that I think about leadership, I, I think I would, uh, I, I would 
probably fall back onto sort of onto sport rather than business. But um, from a business perspective, um, I think somebody who springs to mind would be Bill Gates. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Not always a popular choice for everybody, um, but given everything that he succeeded in achieving in his professional life, he he's also shown um, a, a leadership in terms of philanthropy and and which shows an empathy with with the general public and people's needs more widely. So I think I think he certainly personifies success, but also a, a softer touch and an understanding of, of the wider needs of, of, of the community. Now, unfortunately, our time together is drawing to its close. But before I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for Sergeant Disc? Um, so the current period um, with the pandemic, um, the, the crisis that's evolving um, throughout uh, throughout the country um, does look a little bit more difficult to navigate. Certainly um, in terms of film production, an awful lot of shows are, mm-hmm. are shutting down. Um, but I think that in terms of, of planning and, and how you run a business, you have to allow for those sorts of eventualities. So I think making sure that you're on a sound financial footing um, should enable you to get through those periods. For us, I think we're we're certainly not at a crisis point and we're able to manage and cope with the foreseeable future. But um, looking further ahead, I hope that the cinemas will be open and that productions will be starting up again in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as possible, um, everything will get back to back to normal. And there's certainly it's a booming industry or has been for the last uh, 10 years. And um, from a production perspective, there's some very exciting things happening in the in the UK at the moment. Um, we're now part of a, an international group with cast and crew as well. So um, on this particular occasion, the, the, the issues are global um, and it's not necessarily a competitive one, but one where the industry needs to pull together. And uh, I'm hopeful that from well, certainly within the next 12 months, everything will be back to normal again. Well, let's hope that is absolutely the fact. Uh, Lawrence, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you. And I very much hope that you come back on the program at some point in the near future. Lawrence, thank you. Great. Many thanks. That was Lawrence Sargent, director of Sargent Disc. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. We're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, uh, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool. Many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and... um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be <laughs> playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a, there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham 
uh, GF. And when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you just think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood. And of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that, that caliber can have a huge influence on your, your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager like, like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peter's? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only... Uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy in the same age group as me. And I looked at how he, how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident, I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships, and you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the value and quality of leadership and that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Al Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that, but obviously... Uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, plane came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure, when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about South Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. 
Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and, of course, your life. But yep. in that era I was involved for six or seven years, he it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time... At, Maybe overly strict for the time. You probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across, and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn sheet, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned, and I've taken it on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless of that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, Jeff, you could uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be be playing in, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay he started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Hunt. So I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Glee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think... Mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't. You're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really. Looking back, out, out. So I never really felt 
people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Al showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Uh, we had some great players, but overall they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows, in fact, starting this week, over the next uh, three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And there's, I won't mention both. It's too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, The other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball and looked round for a little while and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a at a dinner in the you know, Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions, and then all of a sudden, I heard a, someone at the back who who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Uh, well, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. Just, but then I again, found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, laugh that if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think, um, 
you were a young man when this happened, when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by, by quick, one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are there are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and of course in, uh, England fans who um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest that I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, oh. You, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Uh, perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a uh, helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches, people must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a, in a natural leader? Um. Well, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude. Is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but. There's more than just being good players in football. It's that a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other in the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck that's absolutely leadership he'd be the best example of course in in football terms today Uh, easily easily and of course going back not that long ago Alex Ferguson who's just absolutely Mm. you've got to take him as the first example because Klopp's only done this for a period of time a short period of time but if you look at the 25 26 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United and subsequently since he's gone how they've that they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen, we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think? Could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they. Uh, Ron Green was yeah. The answer, straightforward answer, is yes. Um, they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but 
the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership, but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate and I wouldn't pick any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. Yeah, so many, and that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding and, uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody, and I've going back from an earlier, earlier question for me, that, um, all hard-nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago. Of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit. Mm. The, um, uh, Getting on with each other lasted for, for a long, long, long time, and I wouldn't. And when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the eleven players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else; they were all outstanding, and I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big absolutely. a part that was, and I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. You- we had some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the, the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts, but with it. Yes, the word, the, word is showed, the, word is, the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk sometimes. Uh, together, everyone achieves more. And that, that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, uh, dedication, dedication to the job. Um, thinking about that, that, that role, that job in leadership all the time it's a huge part of your life I don't think you can switch off when you're in in business at the top level or sport at the top level you may you know have a a couple of weeks holiday but I'm even sure if if these top managers and leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm I'm sure there's not uh, they will not switch off for for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation, and I think that's you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, 
thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome, Bruce. Good to, nice to have a talk about this and just go over the, over the past and just uh, refresh my, mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.